it is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome to the Friday edition of the John Sanchez Show podcast. The following program is sponsored by Sanchez Wealth Management. Material on this program is intended for general information only and should not be taken as specific investment, tax, or legal advice. None of the information contained in this broadcast is intended to be a solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security. Further information is available by contacting John at SanchezWealthManagement.com or by calling 800-1801. John Sanchez is a registered representative offering securities and advisory services through Independent Financial Group, LLC, a registered broker, dealer, and investment advisor, member of FINRA, SIPC. Securities only offered in states John Sanchez is registered in. Now, the John Sanchez Show on News Talk 780 KOH. Good evening and welcome to the John Sanchez Show here on News Talk 780 KOH. This is Jason Gaunt. In for you, uh, in for in for John. In, I'm, I'm with you this Friday, uh, the Friday before the three-day Labor Day weekend, to talk about our markets today that were... Uh, a roller coaster. Uh, kind of, you know, came in this morning. The futures were flat as they possibly could be when I was talking with Ross and Ryan ahead of a uh, much-awaited August non-farm payroll number uh, that many were looking to uh, as sort of the next line uh, for the Fed as to you know what their next move is going to be for rate hikes that we're expecting here, you know, later on in the month of September. Uh, and uh, setting the table a little bit uh, back in the July release, uh, market was expecting a you know two hundred and fifty, two hundred and eighty, uh, two hundred fifty thousand or two hundred thirty thousand, right in that range uh, of a gain, and they came out at five hundred and thirty, and it absolutely crushed the markets because the inflation and uh, uh, overheated economy concerns were uh, really ignited, um, and. Uh, since then, uh, obviously, this number has become much, much more notable uh, as a market mover and, again, a, a Fed barometer as to how restrictive they're going to be on the markets. So when we finally did get our August payroll number, it came in. Uh, the term that was thrown around all day was a Goldilocks-type number. Uh, we received a, a number of 315,000 jobs that were added in the month of August. The consensus was for th- about 300,000. Non-farm or the private payroll number came in at 308 versus a consensus of 280. Uh, average hourly earnings uh, were a gain of three tenths versus a consensus of four tenths. So uh, unemployment was 3.7 percent, and the consensus was three and a half. So in most cases, the jobs numbers were in line. Uh, average hourly earnings were down relative to what we thought. Unemployment actually ticked slightly higher, reason being is more people started searching for jobs, and that's the reason that that accelerated, obviously. Um, but the market took this information as a solid result, uh, uh, you know, risk on uh, this 
potentially shows that, hey, uh, we're not in a recession. Uh, payrolls are still good, but they're not overheated. They're back to what would you know be expected. And uh, you know, sort of market took off. Right uh, near the highs, you had the S and P, the Dow Jones, and the Nasdaq all well over you know the point eight percent to one point two percent, depending on where you were looking. It was a a strong result in the markets after being horribly oversold, as I've talked about on this show. For a trading standpoint, you know that thirty nine hundred level on the S and P five hundred was a very, very powerful support level, a trampoline to some extent that uh, if you can bounce off of it, the market was going to jump. You break through it and it could go much, much lower, but those are important levels in the market and it was risk on. And we sort of started rallying throughout the mornings. Uh, Everything looked good. Uh, But by the end of the day, the Dow closed down 1.07% to about 338 points lower to 31,318. The S&P closed the day down 1.07% to 4250, uh, about 43 points lower to 39.24. And the NASDAQ was down 154 points or 1.31% to 11.630. So we had a 2% reversal during that day. And and that was by and large due to some headlines that we got uh, from Gazprom, uh, who uh, kind of catching you up if you weren't already aware there was sort of one main pipe left going into europe uh from russia this is the nord stream one pipeline and it had been down for two or three days and they were updating some some parts uh is what they said uh uh you know and the alert from gazprom is that uh, uh they're not going to be reopening it due to a technical issue that involves an oil leak of some kind and that's all that was really stated Uh, I would note a little bit earlier in the day, however, the G7 nations put out a note, an agreement to implement price caps on Russian oil exports, or rather royal uh, Russian oil exports. So now you've got G7 making comments about capping Russian oil exports. Oh, and then, oh, by the way, a little bit later in the day, you get this news from Gazprom, who basically gives the middle finger to Germany, Europe, etc. And now there's a, a, a technical issue that's going to delay that pipe opening anytime soon. Well, uh, goes to show that this market is, yes, afraid of, uh, nervous about inflation. Uh, they're nervous about Fed rate hikes, uh, and they're very nervous about geopolitical issues, right? Uh, unfortunately, this is now the new time we live in. Um, you know, uh, to add on, post the close, uh, there was some commentary about uh, you know, the U.S. and Taiwan agreeing to a $1.2 billion, uh, essentially, arms uh, uh, agreement, uh, sending Sidewinder missiles, et cetera, to Taiwan. And, you know, uh, Also a headline of the U.S. allowing Trump-era China tariffs to continue pending a review uh, that was released by Bloomberg Television. So you've gotten a a market now that initially was focused on, you know, the overall issues of uh, uh, rising prices and a overheated economy that needed to be slowed by the Fed and rate hikes, etc. And now we're dealing more, you know, uh, again, with a uh, three-day weekend and more geopolitical uh, issues 
things. Obviously, you know, the, the Russia and the gas pipeline is not specifically, you know, as painful to us as it's going to be to our European partners. But that just took all of the air out of the markets into the close. And, you know, we sort of closed just off of the lows, but it was, you know, pretty much a sell off from go as soon as that headline came out. And so this just shows you that, you know, by and large, the investor community is much more fearful right now than they are abundantly bullish. Um, And that's what we've been talking about, you know, sort of near term, that that's the environment that this market is in. Uh, You know, I still am fairly confident that the back half of the year is going to be stronger, given that at least the first part we mentioned with the Fed, et cetera, those headwinds should be diminishing. We are seeing inflation numbers coming down. We are seeing oil, which crude oil was down six and a half percent for the week. Oil is right now trading 87.25. Copper, right, uh, down 7.9 percent for the week depending on who you ask, seeing copper come down that much uh, can be viewed as a negative globally because uh, China, uh, U.S., everyone uh, doing a lot as far as EV, grid uh, uh, updates, so on and so forth. To see copper drop by 8% in a week is pretty darn notable uh, in terms of slowing. And that's what this market is priced in. It started to go from inflation concerns to now recession concerns right around when the Fed uh, Jackson Hole a meeting took place uh, last week, and now you layer on obviously all the geopolitical geopolitical concerns as well. And so I think that's the part that you know we're going to be uh, probably focusing a little bit more on is the heightened uh, China, Taiwan, Russia. Uh, you know it seems to ebb and flow, but uh, uh, that information certainly took a lot of the wind out of the markets uh, late into the day, uh, and you know it's uh, into a three day weekend. Obviously, we'll. we'll be one to be keeping a, a close eye on, uh, like I've talked about before, not a pitch on crypto, et cetera, but those are the areas you want to watch to see what the risk appetite is over the weekend, given that those markets don't close. We had the two-year today that uh, uh, ended up uh, right around the, the 340 level. Uh, the 10-year is at 320, right? So pretty close. You've seen a, a six-handle now, very, very low six-handle on mortgage rates, which uh, I know Corey, or rather Dwight, Aaron, et cetera, touched on last night. But, you know, those are cre- going to create headwinds. And I'm going to go through uh, through equityclock.com a good write-up as far as some of the details is the, of the jobs number. But, you know, those are some of the areas, real estate, et cetera, where you're seeing slowing of hiring, uh, which is obvious just given uh, a lot of the changes. I saw a line earlier that one in five uh, uh, homes now are being repriced lower uh, uh, given just sort of the, the near-term economy. So. Uh, you know, not to be dour, not to be down, but uh, it was a pretty decent reversal today. Uh, again, the market is still very much oversold, um, and that uh, you know any positive news, we get some Apple news next week with new announcements and so on and so forth, and not a ton from the economic side. Uh, you know, anything positive right now could certainly be a catalyst to the upside. Welcome back to the John Sanchez Show here on News Talk 780 KOH. This is Jason Gaunt. Today, the Dow closed lower by 338 points, or 1.07%. The S&P was down 43 points, or 1.07%. And the NASDAQ down 154 points, 1.31% lower. Gold was higher, 1722 up $13, or 0.78%. And oil, 
8725 up 0.74%. Oil was down 6% for the week. Speaking of the week, the Dow Jones uh, was down uh, 3% for the week. It's down 13.8% year to date. The S&P 500 down 3.3% for the week uh, or about a little over 17.7% year to date. The Russell 2000 down 4.7% for the week, down 19.4% for the year. And the NASDAQ, the loser, uh, down 4.2% for the week, also down 25.7% year to date. So that's where things stand at this point. Europe was strong today, sort of closed prior to any of this uh, 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 Russia news or U.S. news. You had the Germany's DAX up 3.3% uh, because before today, the nat gas prices had come down about a third uh, of what they rallied over this horrible couple months because of the Russia saga. Uh, but, uh, you know, odds are that's going to change here pretty soon. And then the FTSE uh, in the UK up 1.9% in, in France's Cacaron was up 2.2. So strong day in Europe. You know, dollar was weaker earlier in the session, uh, but ended up closer to the flat line when all was said and done. Um, some other news items, uh, again, sticking with the China theme, uh, the, the Shenzhen lockdown has been extended. Entertainment restaurants are closed, etc. So so that's more, you know, supply chain concerns. Uh, the Shenzhen's one of the largest areas in China. Um, uh, Atlanta Fred, uh, Fed President uh, Rafael Bostic, uh, who's great, uh, he said that the Fed's uh, campaign to cool inflation is far from complete, is what his line was. He's been actually slightly more dovish than some of the others, um, right? Dovish being less apt to raise rates. Uh, and uh, But he still has said that, you know, he, he sees a, a three and and a half to three and three quarter percent sort of uh, Fed funds rate when things are done. Um, switching gears here, Amazon. I thought this was interesting. They've abandoned plans for dozens of facilities in the wake of slowing sales growth. Um, you know, that's uh, uh, an article from Bloomberg, right? So uh, you're seeing companies like Amazon who. Uh, certainly were guilty of overexpanding, right? They were uh, a lot of warehouses that they were building with the assumption, you know, the COVID uh, uh, push uh, forward uh, plan to really grow out uh, uh, more and more and more locations to ship directly from. But they've sort of slammed the brakes on a lot of that. Um, and to hear them use the term dozens, I think that's, you know, something to be keeping a close eye on, um, uh, certainly from, you know, one of the obviously the largest uh, uh, retailers out there. I mean, Amazon for the year, uh, that stock's down 23.5%. So uh, that, and, and they've also got the labor woes uh, with the New York union victory, et cetera. Uh, and the judge basically saying that that union vote should be upheld. And so you've got Amazon dealing with the union as well as uh, all these facilities, et cetera, that they're basically going to throw the brakes on. Uh, CME, uh, the Chicago Merck, uh, they announced a 22% uh, of volume growth in August. So the mercantile CME is where a lot of the options trade, right? So a lot of uh, uh, hedging, a lot of, uh, uh, you know, you've also got all of the commodities, et cetera, that trade there. And so to see a 22% number in August is very notable, um, you know, given all the volatility and all of the uh, sort of commodity movements we've seen. Uh, CME Group, that's a really big number out of them. Speaking of good numbers, Ford. Uh, Ford had a 27.3% year-over-year uh, August sales growth. Uh, that's a 158,000 units. Um, so, you know, 
know, the, the slowdown uh, in uh, uh, some areas is not being seen. I mean, because you've seen a lot of these uh, automakers have been in the catbird seat, you know, regardless of what prices they were willing to offer autos at, whether new or used, uh, people were scrambling after them. And, you know, you've actually started to see used cars prices roll over uh, as many of these, you know, car uh, Carvanas and CarMaxes of the world uh, start to choke on, uh, you know, uh, what it costs to borrow the money to fund some of these products uh, as rates start to increase. And you have seen a slowdown there, but people are still lining up to to buy uh, a lot of these newer vehicles, especially the EV, et cetera. And and Ford mentioned the other day they were going to have a new EV uh, offering on the truck side outside of the Lightning coming up here pretty soon. So that was a very good, strong number from them uh, year over year. Uh, Meta, Qualcomm, Facebook, uh, those two guys, they signed an agreement, and I've talked about this pretty recently with NVIDIA, but their virtual reality chipset agreement between the two. So Qualcomm, who normally, Normally, is when I think of Qualcomm, I think of phones, right? They have had a licensing uh, a monopoly, for lack of a better term, on 3G, 4G, 5G chipsets uh, for a lot of the mobile phones. But to hear them recently say that they were going to be trying to diversify their business a bit uh, in signing this deal with Meta uh, to work with them on VR is a big deal. And Meta even acquired a haptic uh, startup called Lowfelt. Haptic is, you know, for those of you who have the the newer iPhones now where there's a button, but it doesn't click. It's, it makes the clicking feeling, uh, that's haptics. And so, you know, uh, uh, the, the VR thing, uh, has had fits and starts, but it is going to, uh, uh, have another start here. Uh, I'm thinking here fairly soon. Um, and you know, meta is, is working very hard to, uh, be on the forefront of that. Obviously Apple here pretty soon, uh, remember on the seventh, I believe is their next day. There's been some chatter about their VR uh, setup that they called reality, not virtual, but just we're going to call it reality is what the rumor was. So uh, if Apple's getting into it, that's usually when uh, uh, you start to feel more of the real large scale push. They, they work their tail off not to be the first mover, but to be the mover um, when when technology changes. A couple last ones here. Uh, PG&E, obviously, we've been hearing all about it, where they've urged residents to continue conserving electricity from four to nine. Um, and to avoid uh, charging electric vehicles. There's some irony in the fact that we're not going to have any gas-powered cars being able to be purchased in California, yet uh, uh, they're asking people not to charge them already, um, you know, given the high... uh, you know, heat and so on and so forth, which I'm pretty sure probably isn't going to go away, um, given a lot of the volatility of pri- or of of temperature that we've seen. And then finally, I like this one, Rocket Lab, RKLB. It's a publicly traded company. Um, you know, they're similar to the SpaceX and so on and so forth. Uh, but they successfully test fired uh, their first. Uh, stage engine uh, just now. So this is a publicly traded company that, you know, has been out there for a while and they've just now uh, successfully tested their first rocket. And so, you know, people have uh, plunged a lot of money into uh, some of these early, early, early stage companies. And I think that's a very good example of, you know, uh, uh, you you better hope that uh, those things work because, uh, uh, you know, uh, technology is fun, uh, but uh, investing in, you know, pre-revenue, pre-sales technologies, um, you know, you're you're certainly leaving a lot out there. And again, sort of like we've seen in the last couple of years, uh, when the market starts to uh, shoot 
uh, areas where it's nervous about growth, it's going to go after those ones first. So I thought it was an interesting story. It's nice to hear that their rocket actually worked. Welcome back to the John Sanchez Show here on News Talk 780 KOH. This is Jason Gaunt. Today, the Dow closed lower by 1.07%. The S&P also down 1.07%. And the NASDAQ down 1.31%. All three of those were trading well over a percent uh, earlier in the session, yet closed darn near on their lows after some negative headlines as far as Gazprom and Europe uh, and uh, some more saber-rattling between Taiwan, China, and the U.S., But the big reason that the markets were strong earlier in this session is that we received uh, the uh, Bureau of Labor Statistics payroll number for August. So as I've used on the show before, I have a firm that we use called EquityClock.com, which I uh, encourage folks to check out. I think they do a wonderful job for charting data, seasonality, et cetera, but they do a very good dive into payrolls. Um, And so what I wanted to do is highlight some of the areas from their release that I thought were notable, things that we should be thinking about as investors, as sort of market watchers, um, and just sort of folks who are, you know, going to be pulled up and down and sideways by all of the choices that the Federal Reserve is going to make and the economy is going to sort of react to uh, based on some of the uh, uh, changes we're seeing in in rate hikes. And, you know, they kind of pick at some things in here that I thought were pretty interesting of segments of the market that are slowing and others that are holding up well. I begin. The BLS indicates that 315,000 payrolls were added last month, which was marginally ahead of the consensus estimate that called for a rise of 293,000. The unemployment increased by two-tenths of a percent, to 3.7% and an average hourly earnings increased by three tenths, which was shy of the four tenths increase that was forecasted. Stripping out the seasonal adjustments, payrolls actually increased by 309,000 or 0.2% in August, which is in line with the average change for this summer month seasonally. So I'm going to stop there. That is why the market sort of reacted positively uh, to this release, because it wasn't uh, some shock, uh, uh, you know, that would make the Fed, oh my gosh, they really need to uh, really, you know, throw the brakes on this economy and it wasn't a shock to the downside and that oh my gosh we have this massive slowdown recession feds hiking too fast uh, uh oh no uh it was a goldilocks number that's really what everyone said when this number came out so the year-to-date change now sits higher on jobs by 1.5 percent which remains a positive divergence compared to the 0.6% decline that is averaged through the first two-thirds of the year. So at this point during the year, remember, we haven't had the sort of uh, holiday uh, hiring binge yet that tends to get jobs to where they are, right? We uh, sort of late summer, um, and to see that we're still uh, up 1.5% uh, is slightly negative in the fact of a sort of overheated economy um, in general. So the pace continues to drift off the record-setting trajectory realized last year, although it remains incredibly strong for this stage in the economic cycle. Despite the strains that continue to emerge with respect to demand, employment in the various categories encompassed by waning activity are seeing their trends remain upbeat. Mining employment was higher by 0.9% in August, much stronger than the mere 0.1% rise that is normal. 
manufacturing employment showed an increase of one-tenth, continuing to show no impact from the typical summer slowdown period. Construction employment showed a similar 0.1% rise, continuing to maintain an above-average pace on the year. Interesting to watch as we progress into the fall is how the leisure hospitality category fares now that the consumer experiences have been largely fulfilled following the past couple years of lockdowns. So stopping there. Remember, there's the whole reopening trade, right, where everyone was hotels and jets and flying and travel and so on and so forth because we've all been so repressed and haven't been able to go out or eat at restaurants and this, that, and the other thing. And that created a big boom uh, for many of those industries and, you know, the great Great reopening had happened. But what they're starting to see now is now that we've done that and, you know, the hoopla has started to wane, uh, uh, you know, uh, you're now potentially looking at what could be a slowdown in, in those areas. The broad category is already showing signs of rolling over as the buying binge fades for these activities that have been largely denied since the pandemic started. The category saw employment pull back by six-tenths of a percent in August, which was weaker than the two-tenths decline that is normal for this time of year. Obviously, right, people are going back to work, so people aren't at hotels, they aren't, you know, at, at uh, some of the, you know, lodging areas, so on and so forth. So it's not surprising, but it's even lower than what we normally would see. A pullback in employment of performing arts, spectator sports, accommodation, and food service drinking places are also behind this apparent peak. With consumer budgets strained, not even the insatiable desire to pursue experiences again is enough to cause a consumer to stretch their finances. Companies in the leisure hospitality realm appear to be preparing for a tougher backdrop ahead as consumers return to their fall-winter routines. Finishing off with wages was the downfall of lower-paid employment in the retail leisure hospitality segments of the economy and the ongoing resilience of higher paying manufacturing jobs. The average tally of take home pay remains on the rise. Average earnings of production and non-supervisory employees rose by three tenths in August, which is slightly stronger than the two tenths rise that is average for this time of year. The year to date change, however, is now higher by 3.1%, which is more than double the 1.3% rise that is averaged through the first eight months of the year. So you've seen these high-paying jobs, which, again, is sort of that fear of the economy, or of the Fed, rather, uh, uh, staying persistent. And in fact, they're up more than 2x what they normally are uh, at this point during the year. Uh, they said they'd be remiss to, not to highlight the uptake in state government hires, given the previously mentioned increase in demand for labor and now the midterm election coming this fall. State government, excluding education, employment increased by three-tenths in August, uh, elevating the year-to-date change into an above-average position on the year. Midterm election hires are expected to provide a temporary injection to payrolls in the economy heading into the fall. But obviously, the short-term nature of the event suggests that this is a tailwind, which will be a headwind later in the year. So overall, despite an economy that has shown tangible signs of slowing, there's still a certain amount of resilience in employment activity. Manufacturing jobs are upbeat, while more consumer-facing segments are just now showing early signs of rolling over and peaking. This report is lending itself to both bearish and bullish viewpoints, depending on which categories are focused on. But the lagging nature of employment tends to lends to the belief that broader strains are still to come. Right. So employment is a lagging indicator uh, as far as the markets are concerned. 
The Fed's tightening action have driven Treasury yields and the U.S. dollar index higher all year, acting in a position of a headwind against stocks. But it's reasonable to expect that these trends will reverse at some point in the year based on the deteriorating fundamental backdrop. This look forward could provide for the catalyst for the back half of the year strength in the equity markets that we have been forecasting. So these guys have been fairly positive uh, for a host of reasons, chart-wise, seasonality-wise, et cetera, that uh, post-September, which I've been sort of, you know, letting you all know, uh, that, uh, you know, there's a a good setup uh, for a rally into the end of the year. And that's, again, continues to be what our thoughts are, Um, you know, not out of line with what others are thinking as well. Um, but, you know, the jobs number today was a good number that didn't, you know, stoke the Fed fires. So prior to uh, the release, there was a 75% probability of a 75 basis point hike at the September meeting, which is coming up. Uh, after the result today, that number dropped down to 58%. So still above you know, uh, 50-50, uh, but at 58, I will call it still 50-50. Um, and the reason is because now we still have the CPI that's coming up, not next week, but I believe the, the week following. Um, and the consumer price index number will be the last, you know, cannonball uh, that the Fed is going to have loaded up uh, that'll sort of, you know, uh, give us uh, some direction as to which way uh, they're going to be firing, whether it's going to be, you know, keep pressing rates higher to slow things down, or if we get a a CPI number that shows that we are seeing lower uh, overall inflation and oil, like I'd mentioned, is down 6% this week. That helps. That was the biggest part of some of that, you know, uh, decline that we saw or less increase uh, that we saw at the prior release. And if you can continue that trajectory and many of the items, you know, outside of gasoline, et cetera, have been coming down, that will be a favorable backdrop uh, for the Fed, you know, to do what they're going to do in September, but, you know, continue to decelerate the hikes into the end of the year. Uh, now that, you know, uh, and really the only other item will be the midterms, which will obviously be a point of uh, focus for the markets. But the, the Fed, in terms of their rate hikes, will decrease. They do have quantitative, tight, uh, quantitative tightening, which is, you know, their balance sheet runoff, et cetera. But overall, you know, thus far, the markets have uh, not been too fearful of that uh, uh, yet. Uh, time will tell. But, you know, that's at least paints some of that bullish uh, 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 assumption that many are making into the back of the uh, uh, year. And the jobs number today, I think, was a, a good number uh, to help sort of uh, keep that uh, in focus that while things are a little bumpy right now, uh, could set the table for a, a decent rally into uh, the back half of 2022. Welcome back to the John Sanchez Show here on News Talk 780 KOH. This is Jason Gaunt. Today, the Dow closed lower by 1.07% to 31,318. The S&P was down 1.07% to 3,924, but held that 3,900 level. And the NASDAQ down 1.31% or 11,630. Gold, 1722, up 0.78%. And oil, 8725, up 0.74%, but down over 6% for the week. Speaking of week next week, uh, not a ton on the data side. Uh, We will get uh, ISM non-manufacturing and services PMI on Tuesday. Uh, Take Monday off. 
and on Wednesday, we will get our more MBA mortgage apps as well as the Fed Beige Book. So that will be good color from the last meeting, um, which you know obviously uh, will be notable given the 75 basis point rate hike and updates to the various districts. I think the market will be keenly focused on Wednesday's release because there's not a ton of other information out there. Uh, on Thursday, we will get our normal uh, jobless claims uh, and continuing claims, as well as gas uh, and crude inventories on Thursday. Normally, they're staggered by a day, but given the shortened week, they're both going to be on Thursday. And then finally, wholesale inventories on Friday. So no real earth-shattering uh, data. Um, and the following week is when we will get that CPI on Tuesday um, and PPI on Wednesday. So September 13th, September 14th, those are going to be our you know next real focus lines uh, for the Fed. Um, and then it's the week of September 19th uh, when we'll get the Fed decision on the 21st. So that's at least laying out you know what's coming over the month of September um, in terms of uh, data points. Well, from an earnings standpoint, again, obviously markets are closed on Tuesday. Uh, we'll get Coupa software on uh, Tuesday, GitLab. Uh, those are really the only two big ones. Uh, Chinese EV maker Neo on Wednesday the 7th. Uh, Aerospace Environment, Casey's uh, GameStop. That should be fun to watch on September 7th uh, to see them you know, come up with some other creative way to try to get their stock going. Uh, Thursday, you'll have DocuSign, Restoration Hardware, uh, Zscale and Zoomies. And then on Friday is Kroger KR on the grocery side. So, you know, uh, this market, uh, you know, this week uh, was uh, very much uh, sentiment was negative, right? Sort of from the get go. Um, you know, you've, you've got a, a, a point where we rolled over at the 200 day moving average on the S&P 500. And, you know, uh, many people were cautiously optimistic. And then you've throughout the week felt that, you know, this is a rally in a bear market, which again, we've stressed is what we're in and that you should be in a case of selling rallies in a trading type portfolio and buying dips, just like it makes sense uh, to if, you know, uh, finding the names that you want to be adding for uh, uh, the next couple years, because you're getting some great opportunities and some longer term stories. It's just, you know, right now the market is more focused on, uh, uh, you know, if, if, if you say something that isn't uh, 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 an absolute home run, uh, you get punished. We saw it in a host of technology stocks this week, like Okta, CrowdStrike, et cetera, even good numbers. And the markets were down, stocks were down 5 to 15%. So, you know, it's shaken out a lot of people. There's not a ton of conviction right now. So it's a good time if you have a, a, a nice portfolio like for a couple of years to just let it do what it's going to do and don't, you know, trade yourself into a, a bunch of losses and kick yourself later. It's a, a bit more of a buy and hold and, you know, kind of lose the password type market. But we are here for you to update you day to day and week to week here in uh, the John Sanchez show. I really appreciate you listening and hope you have a good long weekend. From the office of Sanchez Wealth, I am Jason Gaunt, News Talk 780 KOH. On air, online, on demand, News Talk 780 KOH. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? 
Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.